I was just looking to upgrade my laptop from 512 megs to 2 gigs. I remember going into a store and I was given a, a lecture about, well, when you buy the chips, you have to undo the machine and put it in and you've got to put it around this way. It just felt patronising. I mean, there's people that are helpful, but it felt like what the technician was experiencing me as is some ditzy woman who didn't know what she was doing. Whereas I knew full well how to install a RAM module into my laptop. I was treated like an idiot. Was it the voice? Was it presenting as female? I'd never experienced that before. Mm. So I thought, yeah, that's interesting. My name's Caitlin Hall. I work in IT as well as being a counsellor and therapist, working primarily with the transgender community. Prior to transition, I sounded like a blokey bloke. There was no way anybody hearing my voice at that time would have recognised female at all. I remember going to a... Um, an event on the harbour and I was with friends under the harbour bridge and people were getting excited with what was going on and then the whole group of people stood up in front so I just screamed out, sit down. I had a fairly booming voice and being very deep as well, I think it came out as, oh, we'll sit down. When I did, my voice did change and it changed quite quickly, there was a different reaction. I never really thought about what potentially would change. Going from an apparent position of privilege as a white, apparently male person with a deep voice, what an authority that that could convey. No, I never really even thought about it. I don't think it was possible for me to know how a woman existed in society because for women they're a different type of influence, if you like, conditioning that occurs compared to someone that wasn't raised as female. In 2002 there weren't that many people working with trans people. I was Kate's first trans client. My name is Dr Kate Medill, Senior Lecturer at the University of Sydney and a Certified Practicing Speech Pathologist. The personal journey of actually getting to the point of transitioning is unbelievably traumatic and difficult for so many people that we see. And so then they've finally arrived and they're finally, you know, I'm being the person that I want to be and now the world's not taking any notice of me. You know, it's like, well, that's, that's sort of, I mean, we live in a gendered society. The first decision people make immediately that they hear a voice is, are you male or female? In mammalian species, the bigger you are, the lower the sound you will make. So essentially a lower pitch sound is strongly associated with power. So are you more or less powerful than me? If you've got more power than me, you could kill me. Our response to the voice is fundamentally primal and based around survival. We live in a gendered society. We live still to very primal rules in so many ways and we aspire to equality, but 
some of these very, very, very basic things are not changing. The performing industry, the sales industry, teachers, etc. I mean, 40% of professions are voice dependent. In meetings, I do notice I can be talked over much more often than I felt before. At times, I can be perceived as not knowing what I'm talking about. I remember a meeting where I came up with an idea, organising data in a more condensed format, and it was reasonably clever. It was largely dismissed, but then not too long after. Somebody suggested, which was affect the same idea, this was a guy that suggested it, but just slightly changed, and everybody said, God, that's a great idea. Why don't we run with it? I didn't speak up because I felt there was no point, but I thought, God, that's, <laughs> that's what I said, and nobody listened. <laughs> there are plenty of people, not just trans people, but natal women who might not be treated as well or treated less than. Certainly my experience is not uncommon. A lot of people that I've met in the community are in the situation where they've got the female voice, but then they have to sort of forget that with their day job or, or their home. And I can't imagine how, how difficult that would be. It's really hard for a person to make significant changes because they've got the female voice, then they have to go back, and it's, that's constant. Whereas me, I said, I don't care. I'm just going to push forward because this feels right. It didn't occur to me that there was an option with another voice. This is my voice that is changing. And I think that that really helped me because what I was able to do is just own that voice. It just, that's my voice. The great uh, analogy here is the difference between a piccolo and a tuba. Both produce sound by the lip vibrating on the edge of a metal mouthpiece. But you're going to hear the piccolo is very, very high pitched and you'll hear the tuba is very, very low pitched. Well, the tuba, if you unravel it, is, I don't know, something like six or seven metres long. So it's a re remarkably long instrument and it's very wide in, in places. Whereas a piccolo, I think it's about 40 centimetres long and it's very, very narrow. So you can put the same vibration of sound waves through these two instruments and one will be very deep and round and the other one will be very high pitched and bright. And a male vocal cord, which is longer than a female vocal cord, can stretch long enough to vibrate as fast as the highest note of a female. But the smaller female vocal cord can't be made so fat and long that it vibrates as slowly as the lowest note of a male. So what it means is that a male voice box can actually produce sounds of a female, but a female can't produce the sounds of a male. So if you want this long, round instrument to sound female, we somehow have to imitate or change the resonatory characteristics of it. The three things demonstrated to be signs of feminine speech are a higher pitch, a higher resonance, and more intonation variability. This is one of the hardest skills for people to manage.
I've got a pretty good range, but I don't want it to clunk. I'll do a, a siren and that would be... But try and keep that steady. It's about understanding the sing-song qualities. It's not just about pitch and variability. I go to a coffee shop. Can I have a cappuccino? Whereas what I've noticed with many guys is cappuccino, please. One that I've been doing lately is on my way. And one of the exercises involves adding a touch of sadness to it. On my way. As time went on with the continued therapy sessions, that old voice was further and further out of my grasp. I'd still probably clunk down, but you wouldn't recognise that old voice to the new voice. What makes an authoritative voice? It's clear. It's lower pitched. It has a degree of resonance. So it's not a flat voice. It's got a depth to it. A moderate degree of variability and intonation. So it won't be extreme. Because we interpret extreme changes in intonation as being emotional. And of course, people who are emotional aren't perceived as being very in control. If you're too monotone, however, then you will lose the interest of the listener. There's a speech feature here that we have to take into consideration. We discovered this in our research on radio broadcasters, and we found that anybody who, um, starting with our arms or stumbled over their words or stuttered or whatever, was immediately judged as not having a good voice. So being fluent in your message in many cases, taking your time, delivered in a clear, seemingly effortless voice that varies in pitch and volume and is absolutely connected with the message. Women's voices are getting lower, certainly in Australian society, over time. My thesis is, is that women are becoming more empowered and it just makes sense that if pitch is a sign of status and empowerment that the pitch will lower in people who feel more empowered and you, you see this in meetings all the time you can always pick you know somebody who's feeling like they're in charge because their voice will drop I don't know that even if I was offered a lot of money that I could find that old voice but an example that happened last night actually was interesting I was walking home and a guy brushed past a much smaller older woman and then all of a sudden there was screaming and they were saying, that's him, that's him, taking money. So this guy was probably lengthening his stride a little bit and all of a sudden this woman raced up to him, screaming and then grabbing him. This guy was probably over six foot tall and this woman was probably five foot tall. I didn't know what was going on here but I was just focused on, I don't want this woman to be hurt. I just yelled out, enough, stop it. I don't know whether I lowered my voice or not. Perhaps it naturally lowered because I projected my volume. But he certainly reacted. He just walked off. I was able to pursue the guy and just take a photo of him. 
I gave that to the woman, and by this time there was quite a group of bystanders around. There was no indication that people were looking at me strangely because that voice sounded too deep or, or whatnot. I was just really assertive. So I guess that some authority was conveyed from my voice. The voice is how we express who we are in the world and our needs in the world. In improving your voice, in changing your voice, you're actually changing who you are in the world. There's lots of challenges, but when people hear their voices change and see themselves moving towards their goals, it's a profoundly human moment because you see people struggle and then win. That is a fundamentally empowering experience. I think there's such a harmony, a, a sing-song quality to the female voice, and especially saying when you've got a group of women singing, I think it's just melodious. I still have a, a desire at some point to sing. It's just a matter of finding time. Who knows what it'll be like if I give it a shot. Huge thanks to Caitlin and Dr. Kate Medill for speaking with me for this episode. Thanks also to Sydney's 2SER for supporting this series. And thanks to Marilia Costa, Liam O'Donoghue and Rebecca Cleaver for their constructive feedback. Please use your newfound vocal authority to tell people to listen to this podcast. My name is Lawrence Bull and you've been listening to Sound of Mind. Hi, it's Sam Loy here from the podcast Human Ordinary. Human Ordinary is a show about the everyday. We make audio documentaries about culture, relationships, and all the things that make us human. I started the show three years ago when I became a dad and realized I wasn't living my best life. I always wanted to be a storyteller, and I've always been interested in people. So this podcast seemed like the best way to scratch all my itches. For this season, I'm joined in the producer's chair by three of the best independent audio producers in Australia. We've got new stories about rainbow families, hairdressing, train spotting, being a parent, doing it tough, and of course, there's a bit of love and a bit of death. Join us in 2019 for 16 stories exploring the extraordinary in the everyday. Human Ordinary, wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.